Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hey Otterites, this is episode 170. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. We are kicking back again here at uh, Studio R. Join the atrium. In the atrium, maxing and relaxing on a very pleasant day. Yeah, ceiling fans are going, it's all good. Yes. Uh, in Just night. enough to keep a cool breeze going. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's awesome. I don't even have my flip-flops on anymore. So excellent. Um, so, this episode, Pop Culture, and I think we're totally winging this one a bit. So this is supposed to be Rock Bands 3, whatever subtitle that should have. You're right. <laughs> you know, We've already used Electric Boogaloo, so... Can't use that one. Uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> something like that, but, but this is our, our third perusal through rock music. We yes. are Gen Xers. We like our rock music, and you know we, we get a uh, we can have a, this big, big uh, view of it uh, with our generation because as kids we were listening to the original early rock, and then as young adults we were listening to kind of the end stage. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Well, as kids, we probably listen to the middle stuff because really, the, the the early stuff is before us. Yeah, yeah but and our folks probably had it at the house. Possibly, mine did not. Mine. I suppose you have to country I, western bluegrass. Yeah, but. I mean, perhaps that's something we should do. Is you know, when is what are the years of rock and roll from Buddy Holly and '55? Maybe yeah, as that's, it begins. That's, that's, that's that is the early beginning. Yeah, that's, that's generally acknowledged that you're talking about Bill Haley. Ike Turner. Uh, That's about right. You yeah. know, uh, Chuck Berry, that, that 1955, then Elvis hits the scene, and then forward. Yeah. When Elvis hits is when it really mainstreams. Yeah. Right, yeah. But, uh, you know, Bill Haley is, is the you know, rock around the clock kind of acknowledged. Even though that Rocket song. Rocket 88 is. Even though that song was actually stolen from Hank Williams, by the way. I mean, his yeah. son speaks of that, and if you listen to the two of them side by side, he's absolutely freaking right. It was, <laughs> it was totally stolen from a Hank Williams song. Yeah. Uh, and the the, the uh, how in the world that never got litigated, considering nowadays you can litigate three notes. It seems like. Yeah. And it, uh, nevertheless. Yeah. But right the there, it's, okay. So you're on early mid fifties on through, and I think what uh, we wanted to do is not just kind of walk through the bands like we had in the past. Right, because we've talked about bands that were uh, important to us, uh, seminal influences in our music tastes, yeah, and, in, and in, just stuff we've so enjoyed. In the, in the business, uh, you know, these markers like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath to Nirvana and all these kind of marker way stations, forks in the road. But Francis, uh, a few weeks ago, started us on this thing on www.snakesandotters.com of Is Rock Dead? Uh, taking off from a Gene Simmons of KISS quote. Yeah. Um, so why don't, you, why don't you give us and, a little of that, Francis? Right. And we riffed off. heavily off of that. Yes. yes. Well, I mean, we, we replied it, to those posts and, and that carried us through for a bit. Yeah, it was, well, it's an older quote from Simmons back in, I think, 2013, but it re, he, re, he doubled down on it in, in recent years, I think it was last year in 2021, uh, they, they basically talked about from him the com, uh, this 
in, in a nutshell, streaming has made rock music irrelevant now because you have it's so diluted the market with anything and everything, which. To give a, a, a Martinism to it, it's kind of like if you can put anything on YouTube and call it special, then that means nothing is now special. Mm -hmm. That's his basic right. argument. We're all special because we're all on YouTube. That's, that's <laughs> we're all individuals. I'm not. Yeah, that's that's essentially his argument. He said basically at and it ended around. He says 87, 88, 89 say 90 just for a round number right uh, and uh, at the beginning of the Nirvana era that's to me that's grunge. My, when grunge came in that's my interpretation of his demarcation uh, I don't know I think uh, a lot of grunge sounds like a lot of what I would consider traditional rock very yeah. simple yeah I'm, I'm not sure that uh, again this is this is his coming from, it comes from a different place and you know uh, certainly there's a lot of it that is different but I mean just the overall sound Oh, yeah, dang. and it, when when he truly died, it, it, to use his argument, that's a, that's a very good question. Around the year two thousand is not a bad one if you consider yeah. much of the. His, 1990s. his argument was rock made it to age thirty, fifty eight to eighty eight. Yeah, basically is what he that, said. That's exactly right. And yeah. it's been dead ever since. Right. Well, and I think what was interesting that because it made us start examining well what. Has rock been? What is rock? Ah, uh, there you. That's it. And yeah. that's where things got really interesting yeah. for us because things that we call rock, I don't know. Because almost anything from 1955 to call it to the 2000 when when uh, you're positing the end of it, yeah. Uh, there are so many things that we call X rock. You know, punk rock, uh, heavy metal, pop rock. Yeah. Uh, wait, that's that's don't have that with Coke. Uh, that's right. No, that's right. Uh, but you know, all these things that were uh, uh, soft rock, uh, you know, folk music kind of crap. That easy that, listening. You know, yeah. All of that sort of thing. All of these things were branded as some variation on rock and roll. And you know, it just it's hard to envision that uh, you know uh, what is it, Mama and the Papas, and Metallica being both rock. You know. <laughs> but yeah, but. In, in the broadest sense of the word, they would be. I don't know. I, see, but then again, that's the question. That's the question. But that didn't necessarily delineate rock's death. Because at right. the same time as the mom and the papas, there is real real rock and roll. Right. I'm just saying, though, that the, the, the bifurcation yeah. of what rock was... Good word. Very good word. Lots, lots of syllables. Word. Lots yeah, of I syllables. Mean, uh, I think it started very early on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Segmentation in the market did start early. But is that what Simmons was referring to? No, I don't think so. I don't think he really meant the the, the segmentation. The segmentations, the splintering. I think he meant there is no rock music anymore. That's and, that's what he meant. Yes. And my only quibble with his conclusion is I do give rock and roll ten more years. I think rock got to age forty in '98, but after that, it's pretty close. Okay. I mean, I, I, my posts were basically if it's not dead. It's breathing awful heavy, right? Um, you know, uh, the the machines are going beep, 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 the yeah. up and down of the pushing the breath into it. So, you know, I, I, I suppose this is probably a little bit too early to ask this question in the episode, but you know, what's taking its place? Yeah, you know, I, I, that's not. I, I, that's way too early. Yeah, um, just kind of put a pin in it and remember we well, come see, back to it. We talked about causes quite a bit. Yes, and I think that. 
it, a lot of it is kind of what he complained about, that if you put everything on YouTube... That, I don't think it's streaming that killed rock, because that implies that that's a very elitist attitude. Well, it's also it's also doesn't fit the timeline he's given either. Well, it, it, well and, 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 in the late 90s is yeah. when the streaming really began with Napster. And, yeah. and he's referring to some of that, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, he's arguing a point, not in evidence. Oh, very good. Oh, my goodness. Very good. Fantastic. Objection, Your Honor. That's right. Arguing facts, not in evidence. But I think that uh, what kills Rock is, you know, when we talked about it, uh, you know, Rock started out as something made by the greatest generation for the baby boomers. And then the baby boomers... Uh, were kind of rebelling, at least for the music that I listened to, mm-hmm. kind of rebelling against that and became punk, new wave, alternative stuff. And eventually you get to the point where this all this bifurcation has happened because everybody's always... Because that's the whole point. Rock is supposed to be rebelling against your parents. That's supposed to be part and parcel of it. Well. And when your parents are the people making the music, then what are you actually rebelling against? But that's beside the point. Um, right. But you start getting all these different kinds of things, and I think it dilutes what rock, what it means to be rock and roll. So yeah, there's probably still a core because I think of that you know that hard, fast beat kind of stuff. That's where I would, uh, lots I would... of guitars, drums, you know, and, and it's not it's not going to be complex melodies necessarily. Uh, it, it, to me, it should be you know a little more raw and energetic. But again, that's just my general taste. Three chords and attitude. Yeah, yeah, there's and hopefully, hopefully some chicks and leather. You know, kind of like that part too. Ex- exactly. So, when you start getting, especially when you get to the '60s, because I'd say you know up through the Beatles, you're still pretty much in the same, pretty close to, yeah. to what rock starts. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this. Uh, their influence is especially it. It flips rock from let's all go to the sock hop and dance to we've got problems with how society's run. Yeah. Well, if you want to look at... It becomes at, protest music instead of dance hall well, music. And, well, and the Beatles were part of that because... And Sgt. Pepper's is the... They're the king. There's a demarcation right there. The absolute... Because from Revolver back, it's all that what you're talking about. It's it's very programmatic. It's record company driven. It's image. Same haircuts. Same outfits. All right. that stuff. When they finally reached... Sergeant Peppers, they said, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're big enough. We made our own money. Yeah. Hell with you. They're going to buy whatever we put out. We got to right. do what we wanted. Then all of a sudden, you've got Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Yeah. And, and, and drug use is, it's it's an undercurrent that was yeah. very, very nebulous before, but yeah. it's overt at this point. Yeah. That's a huge sea change. And that was one of my points in the post of... You know, rock comes to its fullest potency, its fullest strength, when the bands, the acts, were able to write their own music. Yes. Then they became in control of the content, rather than having it having it written and the record company handing it off. Right. So well, Beatles always. So that's what you have in that early period of the fifties. Is still, you know, the the, the acts had some influence. I mean, obviously, you can't be different unless you're doing your own thing anyway. But uh, to a huge degree, the music's written for the performer. Until, uh, I would say, and I may be wrong on this, but Help and Rubber Soul for the Beatles. If you're going to use the Beatles as... Well... They're writing all that. Until the British Invasion. I mean, because... Yeah, that's correct. Because before... Richards and and, uh, and, um, Jagger and Richards 
obviously, yeah. as, a, as a songwriting pair of the of the Rolling Stones. That's right. And, and then the Who's writing Keith, their own material. Oh, Keith. That's right. And, and Lennon McCartney, of course. Right. You know, those so, guys, once they write their own materials, and a lot of their early Beatles' first two or three albums has very little of that. Yeah. Uh, Love Me Do and uh, Please Please Me, some of those, those, those they wrote, but most of the rest of the stuff was covers. Yeah. That all changed slowly. By the time you get to that fourth or fifth album, and I think helps probably have good, yeah. pretty yeah. good. Album. You can make it's the argument all that, their stuff, right? You can make the argument that once you get to that era where they're writing their own stuff, not just the Beatles, but anybody, right? Where the artist is more in control, they're not, they're not hired hands anymore. Exactly, right. they right. essentially broken the studio system. Exactly. Yeah, that's when yeah. you can make the. I think that's when you, when rock as as a true art form. Really blossoms. Agreed. Right. That's it. Uh, but it's, I don't think it lasts. Strength. I don't think that. I think the 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 rose dies a lot sooner than than it should have. Yeah, and that's that's my point in the post is you get into the '90s and even through grunge, that's all still these bands' old material. Right. But the change is, the record companies found a way to go back to being back in control of the content yes. to make the money and cut the bands out. And that was the prefab groups, the boy bands. Oh, I see what right. you're saying. The, that's, the, that's what your uh, Spice about. Girls and all that. So that's the first mortal wound of rock and roll. Because it's image over. I don't think content. it's the first. I really don't. I it's, really. It's an easily identifiable one. I yeah. Well, certainly yeah. yeah. I think that I really do think this this uh, this bifurcation again to use the word. Where you have these different flavors of genres mm-hmm. started it because first of all, it, you know, again, it goes back to that protest thing. Uh, well, if you're doing this because it's supposed to be protesting against your parents, that's one thing. But then, if everything and, and remember, rock for a while got defined as whatever the kids were listening to. Yeah, uh-huh. and some of that was Vietnam. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but I mean, it's the kind of thing where. Just because it hits Casey Kasem's top 40 doesn't mean it's rock and roll. But just because it's rock and roll doesn't necessarily mean the kids are listening to it either. But, I mean, it's just you just have all these different kinds of things that start going yeah, in their own it, direction. It's hard to see Steely Dan as a rebellion band. Right. You know, or Fleetwood Mac. Or Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I mean... The... Uh, but it is it is their own material. It is very personal material. Oh, well, Rumors is oh, a absolutely. perfect example of yeah. that, my lord. It's all about... But is that the defining characteristic of rock? Can't be. Got me. Not tall enough. But because I mean, because that seems to be. It's when it's at its fullest power is when the bands are in control of the material. Right. But I would say that's true for any music. Because that's when it's going to be at its purest form. Right. But when that is then flipped by the record companies and they find that path back to being back in control of the material and making the most money and not having to share it with the bands as much. That's the first blow. That's the mortal blow. The first of many mortal blows. Uh, well, hold on. So yeah. let's follow that. Let's follow, follow that. that thread. Follow that thread. Yeah, because you know how I am about that sort of thing. Let's take that to its. Yeah. What you're talking about to the logical conclusion. If that's what you're saying, then what happened to all those rock artists? Did they just stop making music? Because a lot of those guys are still touring today. They're still touring. Oh, now, granted, still making touring music. and making new music that sells. Is something I think that's very a big different. part of it. Because is. Rolling Stones has been putting out album after album after album, but after, what, Steel Wheels? Steel Wheels, it, does, 89. Does anybody know anything they've done? 
It doesn't. There's because because radio's gone, and I think maybe that's part of the issue here. Yeah, that's what Simmons was talking about. He says there's you don't radio matters not at all anymore. It's it's other. No, other I don't think he's got a point. After the nineties, uh, that's what he's talking I, I, about. Again, I think he's wrong with the date. But after the nineties, yes, like new music radio goes away. That's right. It does, but there have been replacements. See, I think he's locked into. That old school model. Yeah, yeah. he's locked into a paradigm. Yeah, that only FM matters. And he he thinks the current paradigm is a killer, but it's not necessarily. No, it's just a new a new. Now there's probably a transition period between where everybody's listening to the radio in their car or their boombox to where it transfers to uh, music players, and then eventually an iPod or a Zune uh, or other things, finally and then Spotify, finally to your Spotify. Well, no, well, finally to your phone uh, before Spotify. Yeah. Uh, but then, and before Spotify, there's Napster. You're way, way down the, the road there. Yeah. Uh, and then after Napster, uh, you know things start becoming once streaming, yes. whether it be torrents or uh-huh. which is what essentially Napster was right. initially. Uh, or actually just hosting the music and streaming it, uh, which again, the record companies finally got a way in and they got their cut of that, which somebody should because you shouldn't be able to stream that stuff for free because people own that music. Mm-hmm. So whatever. But uh, it, it's transitioned so that you know now you have iHeartRadio, I think is still a thing, um, yeah. Spotify, uh, Pandora, 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 Pandora uh, Sirius XM. Is oh, huge. Serious, yeah. uh, practically every car you buy nowadays has Sirius XM in it, and all of these things are now. Well, not all of them are curated. Like Spotify, theoretically, is not curated, yeah. but it is. It is. Yeah. Because it, it it's you know something builds some momentum and then it shows up more likely. It's more likely to show up in those random and I'm using the air quotes yeah. here playlists or new music. Well, it may not be new. It may have been out for three years, but you're only now just discovering it, and people have built up enough interest. Right, because yeah, I, the barrier the to entry is no longer there, because the only way to enter before was get played on the radio. Right, but the barrier to entry still is there, because just because you put something out and make it available for Spotify does yeah. not mean it's going to get played ten times an hour. Oh, that, that's correct. It's 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 a different thing. It's a different animal. Uh, Maybe in mechanism. But not in reality, because the same music, the same music from the same like one or two percent of artists still gets played on Spotify compared to what gets played, what got played. If you look at who got played when and where on the radio, it's not different. How is that though? Because the the radio part of it's the cream rises to the top. Well, that's but radio that presumes a quality of music. At one point, radio was ubiquitous. Yes, and the 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 record companies could use FM radio almost like a cudgel. That's correct. To 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 force you to discover new stuff. That's that's exactly right. But at this point, you know, reaching new music on Spotify, reaching new music on these other mediums, is an active thing, where radio was more of a passive thing. You could put your radio on that new rock station and be there all day, and you would find new music. It's it's just it's still curated now. though. Yes, Absolutely. And, and sometimes illegally so. Yes, because some things became hits because they were paid to be. Yeah, you know, there was a couple hundred dollars in the record sleeve to the DJ. Right. Well, yes, but that's also even without that though. 
um, you know, you can make the argument that the the days of radio was far more curated than it is now, for yeah. sure. Yes. Because, uh, but on the other hand, you could also make the argument that new music could get there because let's think about how radio worked then. You had a guy, maybe a sound engineer, and they were literally taking physical records. That's right. And putting them on a turntable and playing them. And there was or a, later, probably the first yeah. time they heard them when they'd come out of the box. Well, and then later, you know, they would have uh, what looked like eight tracks. Uh, and they would just slide them into a slot. Yep. And, but it was somebody who literally had to pick something up and put it in there. Yeah. Make the active decision as right. to play. So when you think about those guys, where they're literally playing the same song at least once or twice an hour. Yeah. And they hear maybe 10 or 15 songs over and over, for, you know, like for their entire four or five hour shift, whatever they're, you know, because usually they're not more than four hours because they can't talk long that long. Uh, so when anything new was available, they probably jumped at it. They were more likely to jump at it now, or then, than maybe now, when you've got uh, stuff like, uh, whether Spotify, YouTube, or whatever. So, you, so yeah, in one way, it was easier to get out there, but you still had to get the, the records to somebody. So, right. no, it wasn't. Yeah. But today, just because anybody can publish, it's kind of like we talk about publishing ebooks. Mm-hmm. Anybody can publish and make it available. I would argue it's actually easier to find uh, new new uh, written works than it is new music. Now, a lot of it's still agree. crap. I agree. Um, but you know, it, it's available. It, it right. But there's so much of it. Yeah. Very little rises to because the the consumable ear is only so wide and so many. So many. Right. Well, yeah, yeah and you know. Like I said, those places like Spotify, they're going to curate the music based on, um, and it's all going to be algorithmically driven. It's, it's algorithmic, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, somebody has to introduce the new stuff somewhere and try it out, uh, but, you know, there's still going to be a gatekeeper. And because it's all digital, I would say that it's probably harsher now to, to, to you know, for this to be able to happen. So his whole idea that, because, you know, streaming has ruined everything because yeah. everybody can do it. Maybe, but I think it's harder to actually get noticed now. Well, you still got to, in order to get, you got to break into the system, and you just can't right. do that on your own. You got to have and, a backer of some sort. The system's been changed because that new rock station just doesn't exist anymore. Everything's a classic rock station. Because that's what a lot well, of. Well, that's kind of, well, that kind of implies, yeah, it is dead. Or, you know, like exactly. I said, it's, that, that proves his point. Yeah. 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 Uh, to me, that's, that's a big part of it, too. Is that that AOR format station has been stirred into a classic rock station, right? And, and it just you doesn't know, exist anymore to get out. How many people even know what that means? That's album oriented rock. Yeah. No, hardly anybody would even know what that means anymore. Yeah, because what's an album? Nobody buys albums that anymore. Station does, yeah, the, those stations just don't exist. So I think you know that's a piece. That's a piece we didn't blog about, but I, that's a piece of it too. The nature of radio has changed. The nature of how you discover this music has changed. Um, I do think that the record companies being able to make money with a more of a fabricated product and not be dependent on the bands to write music to make a dollar. Right. Well, yeah, hurts, that's gonna hurts rock and roll. That's going to uh, hurt it in the sense that there are more. There are going to be bigger gatekeepers than they were before. Yeah. Because they well, can manufacture. This pop sound. See, that's and that's what I was kind of going earlier. 
uh, before we really got sidetracked because this is this is a whole this whole episode is a rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I was kind of going earlier that um, what the kids listen to as being a, a definition, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. Um, once you start getting into that pop-oriented rock, which you know. The thread is all the genie. These are all related. If you go back genealogically, yes, you will end up back at Elvis. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. That I that that I have no no issue saying that. But you know, beyond a certain point, you know, Elvis and this you know and, and this pop rock group are really no more related than Elvis and you know somebody over in Europe. He's more you know, related to Hank Williams than he is to them. Right. So you know, it's it's the kind of thing where even country has its own rock phase. Oh, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's truth to that. That's that's all part and parcel of the Nashville sound, as they call it, where Nashville is a city of songwriters that are constantly writing stuff to get it to the acts. It's a small pool of acts and a huge pool of writers. Yes, yeah. they want and most of the acts in country do not write their own stuff. Now there are exceptions, of course. Even those who do, Garth Brooks, for example, who's a gazillionaire, some of the stuff he didn't write. Somebody did. That's well, just, that's their that's yeah. their particular market and their brand is how that works. Every band does covers, and every brand buys. You know, even I mean, nobody produces one hundred percent of their own material. Uh, you're right. Country music is a very much. It's a, a, it's a different model. Yeah, and it's been successful. In, in its own yeah, ways. well, you know, I wouldn't say that country music has stayed faithful to its its roots and its origins because oh, it is it is. Transformed just as much as rock. Oh, did. very much so. Yeah, but it, I think it's it is bifurcated you know, less. It's it's got a lot more in common with pop than it does yeah. with its earliest roots. Yes, at that time. Tammy Wynette it, it would not be caught dead singing a lot of the country music that would be like Shania Twain. I can't imagine her doing Shania Twain music or vice versa. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Well, yeah, yeah, like the joke little... goes that you know just because you're singing a pop song on a southern accent doesn't mean it's country music. No, right. country, country has certain certain beats that have to be hit with regards to the content and both music right. and somebody you know your like, wife has to have left you in the song or you know, the truck's that, broken down. Right. Well, there's the there's died. there's a, there's, a, there's a rural aspect to it that yeah. is not present. And this is also lyrically and and musically. It's not present in pop. That's there's the there's a some well, of this seems fungible and every once in a while you'll get those crossover That bluegrass hits. Country has more roots in bluegrass than it does in in rock. Absolutely, there are. By the time you get to modern times, there are a lot of similarities. Well, yeah, if you want to go way back uh, to Jimmy Rogers back in the twenties, that's where that was essentially bluegrass in many ways. It was very that, that, uh, with uh, Bill Monroe and all that stuff. Those were that's early later days. than the twenties. It is. I mean, but way but, later. Yeah. But Bill Monroe's he if if you if you get a chance to watch the Ken Burns country music documentary, all this is laid out very very well. And the evolution of where it gets, yeah. how it gets to, and it has its own break-off pieces and stuff like that. I mean, Waylon Jennings' Outlaw Country is very different than uh, George Jones, but then again, it's not. But it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very different from Hank Williams, but then again, it's not. And yeah. you know, there's different things. Right. Like that. Well, you know, you can say the same thing about about rock with you know, right. Kiss is very different from X, who is very, di- but it's not. Who is very right. different from Y? Well, yeah, I mean, is, you know, Journey is similar to Fleetwood Mac and similar to Led Zeppelin, but not similar to the Beatles, but not similar. You know, all yeah. the, you can catch those various gradations of well, success. You've also got. That's why I say that I think the this segmenting, which is only natural, because they're creative people. That's right. That's right. 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 I mean, you know, you're going to take those early. Gospel blues influences, 
crunch that together with some jazz and come up with something different at the end. Right, and yeah, it that's, is that's an incredible difference, you know, and it has so. produced much fruit. I would say that that synthesis has produced more fruit uh, as far as musical yeah. descendants than just about anything else. Well, yeah, because Elvis, the Stones, the Beatles, they were all influenced by those early those influences yes. that you had there, hugely. And they, they came up with something, the output was very different than the input. Yeah. And then, you, you know, again, you have that flip reaction as well. Because you go from Steely Dan to the Ramones, they're kind of a reaction to each other. Right. You know, uh, let's let's carve the jazz and the keyboards out, and let's go back to the roots. And it's three chords and two minute songs, and attitude and leather clothes. Yep. And and there we are with the Ramones. Yeah, and you know when you look at um, a lot of and this is why I think the, the the segmentation thing is is fascinating to me because. Uh, again, it's all called some kind of rock. Yeah. Uh, but where things, I think, really start... Because of the segmentation, uh, it starts the decline as far as, you know, oh, I listen to rock music. Because really, once you get to the 80s, I don't know, you know, people would have said that as much. You know, because, you know, you say, oh, I listen to metal. Yes, you... you I listen to alternative. You, yes, the yeah, way yeah. the person approached their listening habits and what they termed themselves... Did change in the eighties. That's a very good point. Yeah, and that right there, because yes. when it starts segmenting in the consumer's mind, yeah, that's why I think I'm a, the I'm the, a punker, I'm a metalhead, yep. I'm a new romantic, I'm a mod. soft yep. soft rock, you know. Yeah, uh, well, and you you know, or these these uh, ballad rocks, or you, you just you look at a lot of the seventies groups that uh, you know were really big, mm-hmm. besides having the long hair and uh, skinny people that were you know looked anorexic. It was it was almost too polished. For rock, uh, uh, you know, times. A very, a very smooth kind of stuff. Which again, oh, to me, much. that just doesn't sound like rock. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was uh, John Denver is a perfect one that doesn't really fit very well anyway. Well, I think he had more of country. The, yeah, and that's he, he tends there, but he's also that 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 early seventies uh, popish, easy listening type thing. James Taylor's got the same type of type of music and stuff like that. That's soft, soft. I'm even soft thinking, rock. you know, things like ABBA. You Which know. yeah, it's its own phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, again, it's it's there's what a great. You, what would you call it, that? You it's call very it uh, it, it, polished. Is not necessarily the right word, but you techno. Know, it had a lot of that too. Yeah, it. but I mean, you know, it, everything disco. Everything. Yeah, well, that's definitely even though rockers hate to admit it, that's it's a it. child of rock. It absolutely it is because it's you know a funk influenced right child of rock. Uh, so. But, so that's why I think that's yeah. why I think the the first blow is much earlier. Okay, all right. Uh, so because because when the consumers start thinking about it differently, the end is near. Okay, so there are, it's a death by a thousand cuts. Then yes, exactly. It's, segmentation is one. Mm-hmm. Um, the record companies reasserting control of content over songwriters is another. The changing paradigm of rock radio. Is another cut changing tastes too. Yeah, and and we, we 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 tickled one that I posted about, blogged about quite a bit. The nature of rebellion changing again. If your parents are Journey and Tom Petty, you can't rebel listening to rock. You've got to switch to NWA and Eminem. Right. So then you've moved out into again this more urban influence, whatever you call hip hop or rap or whatever it is. So that's another cut. Again, rock is the music of youth, 
But if the youth go somewhere else, right, then, well, it, then it no longer is. Then there's another it's been guy left behind. For rock. I mean, rock. I mean, and it, it, it no longer is the music of youth. It's the music of boomers. Uh, yeah, some Xers and and some Xers. Yeah, yeah. we're we're the rock and roll. I I think for a lot of Xers though, because remember we're the earliest Xers, so yeah. we probably identify with that label more than some of our later compatriots. Because uh, remember, it's in the '80s when things start to 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 label differently from the consumer side. Mm-hmm. So once you get to that point, oh, you know, I was I was into grunge music or whatever. Yeah, yeah or, after that, or it's... the punk rock. Because I still think alternative before I think rock, even though really it's the same damn thing. Was there ever a time it was monolithic? No. I see. That's that's kind of what I'm saying here. Is, well, was I mean, it ever? Was it at ever? At the beginnings. At the beginnings. When the, when when the studios, the record companies ran it, then it was monolithic. Well, probably. If you want to talk about being monolithic, I would say that that magical six to ten years max. Fifty-five uh, to sixty-four. Give or take, yeah, and right. I, I don't even know. Sergeant Peppers. See, and Sergeant I would. Sergeant I don't Peppers. even know that I'd. I'd go as early as that because I think the sound was still congealing in the early, in, in that mid fifties time frame. I would say it's late fifties up until it's going to be past Sergeant Pepper because it's still because not every change nothing that was not just, everything changes correct all right. at the same time. I'd say somewhere in that late late fifties through the sixties. That's you know maybe ten years ish. Where it's a lot of the same. There's still other stuff because that's when the, the that soft rock kind of stuff, that Puff the Magic Dragon rock, uh, started happening. Yeah, the, the folk influence, yeah. But uh, but probably what most people think of '60s music is probably the last time it was fairly monolithic. And I and I say fairly because it's probably the most monolithic because it never really was entirely. Right. I think yeah. That's kind of what I'm going with. This is it, I don't know that it ever really was. Well, I mean, even in the '60s though, there becomes a split. Yeah, because of the what the what was called the mods versus the rockers, right? Where the more the more urban, disaffected youth adopting some music, and again that still that sort of sock hop, uh, boy and girl type stuff, and Stones, Who, Beatles, Zeppelin. Zeppelin are all kind of trying to negotiate that wave and figure it out you know by the time um, by the time the the 80s begins i think you might get into it maybe 80 81 it's kind of all tra- all changed by then once once the once 80s music becomes a thing and that might be the white way the rise of new wave uh it starts in the 70s okay yeah, yeah so I mean, debbie harry is actually early 70s so blondie is uh, yeah I mean, blondie, ramones. yeah they're blondie ramones are and Sex Pistols, they're making the mark from about 76 to 78. Actually, they're even a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. Well, Sex but, Pistols, Ramones, um, uh, uh, Sex Pistols right in 75, 76. Ramones and Blondie, I think, are a little bit earlier than that. Uh, Susie and the Cure uh, are going to be in the, the later 70s. 70, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, The Police are late 70s. Uh, yeah, so is U2. Probably the, uh, the Knack. Masheron, yes. very famously, is like '79. Yes, right. so that's kind of like this mark where disco is dead now, and you're back to radio rock, California style, like American rock, coming back sort of. So you're talking Journey, Van Halen. Um, yeah, so I mean, because the first Van Halen album is '78. Yeah. Um, 
Hotel California is what seventy seven. No, actually, it's seventy. It's uh, seventy six. I think. Yeah, so I was going to yeah. say. Uh, so because the, the long run, the Eagles' last album was in eighty. Yes, right. That's right. So, the, so the, that's not a bad demarcation. But you know, either. a lot of those groups. Yeah. Okay. We call them rock, but when I think of rock, when I think of you know like seventies kind of rock, yeah, it's still not the same thing. Granted, it's an evolution. Right. It's an evolution. Yeah, oh, but, but you're right. I mean, that is when that's when this splitting this differentiation is occurring. Well, yeah, because you've when got... When you're into the 70s, then for sure we're no longer monolithic. He's talking about, yeah, when, yeah. Is it, when is it monolithic? Okay, I'm willing to give it monolithic up through about 63 the, and 64. 64, because I think that's the first time the Stones are coming across. Well, but their early albums were very much the same type of sound. You know, if you listen to uh, Play With Fire or um, some of their early stuff, it's that those first couple of albums are still that old style yeah. sound. Uh, but I'm, I'm I mean, thinking it's... Satisfaction is what, 65, 66? See, that's where I'm thinking where you're, they're on. when you're looking into that, that demarcation. If you're talking about that stylistic change, uh, Sgt. Pepper's is, is, is even greater than that, but it started before that. If you want to go back to... Uh, I'd say Help is the last of yeah. last of the Beatles studio style sounds. Because if you listen to that one, Help, The Night Before, some of those songs on there, they're very much like a lot of those early. Okay. McCartney and, and Lennon are doing the, the two-part harmony. One's doing some stuff there. But by the time you switch over to the next album, Rubber Soul, you get you get into some really weird stuff. Yeah. You get Norwegian Wood, you've got Girl, you've got I mean, just lots of different... Yeah. That's when they decided, you know, we are big enough. We don't need a freaking movie to support our albums anymore. We can do this. So if um, I'm kind of thinking that yeah. that's and that's right around the time the Stones come out with Satisfaction because you're talking 65 years more. Yeah. That's when a lot of this. God, same, he's old. I know. Tell me about it. Well, you're older here. So I think. So let me break here real fast too because we haven't done our bourbon break and we're getting pretty deep into this one. So let me because I forgot I was captain. <laughs> so I was wondering when you were going to call a break, but I'm I wasn't going to be pushy like some people. Actually, I don't care. Please, if you, I mean, I, I I want you to encourage me if I'm if I'm letting this go off the rails, uh, bumper me back in. You know, it's yeah, but okay. then I can't say snarky things like, "But I wasn't going to be pushy like some people." Well, I will allow you to do both. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, so, that's different then. So, Robert, you're officially charged with being like the bumpers at the bowling alley, keeping everybody keeping on the lane. Keep me out of the gutter. Keep me out of the gutter. Keep me out of the oh gutter. Oh my god, that's a big job. <laughs> Yeah. Keep Martin out of the gutter. Um, Can we define which gutter we're talking Because that's, uh, yeah, that's big. Yeah. So, Robert, I think you had poured some Buffalo Trace to continue I did. the experiment. Yes, because this is the first, I think the first time in a long time I've done a different bourbon for every single episode. Oh, really? Well, yeah. well we don't usually have four bourbons. Yeah. So, uh, I'm still trying to figure out the Buffalo Trace, too. What's your verdict, man? So, the very first sip um, was very distinct. I uh, got a little bit of that sweetness, I think, um, but it, it's just it's it, it's a kind of an impact. Yeah. Uh, but because I like to, again because I'm trying to to ju- try and judge this neat versus on the rocks, and yeah, I already had my ice in, so it was cooled, but it hadn't really bloomed yet. But then after about five minutes or ten minutes, when I had the next sip, oh my gosh, it had mellowed out dramatically. Interesting. At least to me. Um, it, to me, it had mellowed dramatically, and uh, it, it was uh, still a bit more um, 
sharp or a, bit, a bite than, than the Old Forester and the, the Woodford that we had been talking about earlier. But again, it goes in some of that, that same vein where you got stuff right here, right here in the mouth uh, and it's, it, it's really potent. I would say that neat versus neat, the Buffalo Trace is more potent and immediately impactful than the other two. Mm-hmm. Or the Elijah Craig, um, which is not a bad thing. It's just it's, That's just the way it's different. Uh, but I really liked it, again, once the, the water makes it bloom. Oh, my gosh. That's so just me that it tastes like toothpaste, too? You didn't, yeah. so. you didn't I, get the minty, No, this is, this is brushing my teeth and... Not at all. Interesting. Okay. I, I thought it was I very good. I didn't partake on it this time, so I can't I can't comment on that. But uh, I will. Well, it, it'll be there when we record it, uh, Steel M. So. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll make it a point to to give that uh, to see where that lands on all that. Uh, I'm just drinking the Old Forester again. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find it, but I, I'm not yeah. not catching it. Yeah, but at the same price point, the now, Old Forester I think would be superior stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, now, I am finding, and I forgot this uh, until I took another good uh, drink and, and sloshed it around, that it leaves a, I don't want to call it a coating, but you can almost feel it on your tongue. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I don't associate that with a toothpaste taste, but I thought that was interesting because I don't recall any of our other bourbons having that particular effect. They may have had similar effects that they kind of hang around for a while, but this one just hangs around physically almost. Uh, you know, it's almost like it's uh, it's not medicinal, but you know how some of those medicinal ones kind of have that cloying feel afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's not cloying. It just it's almost like a, a very thin film uh, on my tongue, which is very odd. It's not distasteful or anything. It's just unusual. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. So common ground is. Rocky is dead. Pretty much. Yeah. It's uh, in the home at the very latest. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, the doctor's on its chest pumping really hard. Yeah. Um, but it's a death by a thousand cuts. It is. It's Actually, many, many different things. There was a period where Rock's fairly monolithic. It does begin to differentiate and split into these different consumer segments, which didn't seem like a bad thing. But no. But it, it contributes to the demise. And honestly... I think that's okay. I'm okay with with rock because honestly, I just don't like to listen to new music to begin with. I like my '80s alternative, you know, late '70s, '80s alternative stuff, and that's what I listen to. That's just what I prefer. I don't have the time and energy, like I did as a as a young man in the in college, to invest in finding new music. So I know what I like, so I listen to that, and occasionally I do find something new, but very rare. Now, Mrs. Robert. She loves to listen to Alt Nation on uh, Sirius, so she gets new stuff uh, occasionally. But she's more likely to listen to newer stuff anyways than I am. And so, you know, maybe I'm just an old fart set in my ways, which is odd when you're talking about listening to punk rock. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of where we are. And you look at boomers, they're the same way. That's why all of these, you know, ancient bands, you know, guys that are in their 70s, that are somehow still managing to tour, you know, propped up, you know, using a, a their mic stand as an IV uh, uh, bag, you know, IV stand for their saline solution, or God knows what's in those things. Mm. Come on, Heidi, Nick's, Mick needs us to go on tour again. Let's go. 
Can't make it. Can't pay for all those babies of his. <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's an element of that to it. That's right. But you know, we're also at the point now where the uh, a lot of those '80s groups that I listen to are starting to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, the Furs yeah. have been on tour. Yeah. Tears for Fears have done some new stuff. Um, I just had a couple of other names in my head, and I just and I dropped them. But uh, those are just two I can think of off the top. Yeah. And there are others that are doing it. Fleetwood Mac still tours, right? So you know, uh, they, well, they, I count them as the ancients. Well, I mean, they were, you know, they're still. I know you still think of Stevie Nicks is really young and hot, but she's probably not any. She's okay with me. Uh, The Eagles is touring. I mean, even Glenn Fry's dead, for God's sakes. And his son Deacon, which I think is a really cool name, mind you, slid in to take his place. They brought in Vince Gill, and uh, they're still rolling. Vince Gill's touring with the Eagles? Yes, he is. I did not know that. Yeah, so it's, I mean, Henley is, in many respects, the driving force behind it, of course, and he and Fry always were, but. There's many others that you know that go with. Joe Walsh is still there. Timothy B. Schmidt's right. still there. Well, I mean, you know, U two is still uh, U two is the same lineup they've always had. Right. The Cure is still doing music. Um, you know, now Susie and the Banshees. Susie's retired. Uh, her voice, I think, finally just gave out. Uh, probably just tired of doing it even on her own. But um, honestly, though, she was better with the Banshees uh, than than uh, on her own. Her the one I think she only did one solo album. Uh, there's some good stuff on it, but it, it again. It's the nostalgia for guys like this. After a certain age, I think that's what music becomes. It does. There's no question. It becomes a reminder of times with less responsibility. Exactly. Which is a very rock thing. Because it's for the youth. Because it is about rebellion and and not having responsibility. Really. All that good stuff. And also, but, you know, it had some fantastically mathematical, if you want to call it that, musical talent in there. I mean, some of these songs, I mean... Some of these songs will stand the test of time. Everybody's always going to be singing Stairway yeah. to Heaven. It's, it's not but going there, anywhere. There does come a point when everything's really, I don't know that many done. people that sing that. I don't mean sing it, but like to hear it. Nobody can sing that. Actually, I did see a YouTube video with Hart and Nancy Wilson singing at the Royal Philharmonic for Robert Plant and Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. When yeah. they were see, uh, it was at the Kennedy Center. And it was bloody amazing. You would have thought that they had they they had originated that song. And of course, the, the camera keeps panning to you know Page and Planner just going, "Oh, this is great!" You know, so yeah. But what role did, did then that play? That well, at some point, everything's been done. How much more rebellion is there, or how much more lyrical content can you have? Well, somebody else has to rise and come up with something new. Well. But is there any Most music is going to have some context in the culture in which it's produced. It's it's a chicken or egg thing. Yeah. You know, because uh, entertainment forms the culture, but the culture forms the entertainment too. Absolutely. So you can't really say one or the other. They're both. So there's always going to be new lyrical content. Right. It, now, it, that's my, I think that's my, my thing that's clawing at me a little bit with that, too, is we, we've come to a point where there's so much material comfort. What is there left to sing about? What's there left to protest about? Yeah. In the rock sense, you know, protesting against even, your parents' Even right. when it's not a protest, will you talk, well, as, you know, Guthrie's or Almond Brothers and this, you know, daddy was born on a southbound train and... And these kinds of things, uh, he was a traveling man because he was always trying to escape something. We, that's just a foreign 
idea to us. Now. Well, that's we why we don't get on trains and. That's why urban music is anymore. so popular. But I think that's why urban music yeah. is so popular because three middle-aged white guys. We can say, well, you know, from all of our creature comforts, what is there left to sing and protest about? Well, for us, nothing. That's why we are into the nostalgia stuff. Yeah. But think about all the stuff, it, you know, that that is going on that is worthy of protest. I imagine that will produce some music. Well, now whether now so it's that's probably, that's why the life then the life force the drama is in the urban music, the right. hip hop and, and all that. Which and is not in the rock and roll. Well, it's just interesting you say that because that is almost an identical reason to why country music rose in the late 20s is because those were the poor people that needed to be sung about and have their songs songs yeah. heard because they, they there was the energy like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's why folks like Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family were phenomenal uh, because they're tapping into something to those who need escape. Those who need yeah. to think something is better can be better about right. their lives. And this is the this it's is the beginning. He's of the talking depression. about rise of country in the twenties. Like, dude, we're in the twenties. Yeah, I know. And it's something. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just a, that's always something that strikes me. I hear that old music, and you think about they're talking about you know this lonesome ride on this train out of New Orleans. It's like nobody rides a train. Nobody does that anymore. Well, but, but Jimmy yeah. Rogers did, and that's what he. I mean, my God, he, that's all right. his songs were about. Were that, that sort of thing. That, you know, I was born a rambling man in the city of New Orleans, and all this wistful, well, lonesome whistle. You know, that's all I, all I mean, I've got is what's in my bag. Is you got know, one more silver dollar. Yeah, and yeah. that's all well, there is. But now, hey, uh, if I go on a train trip, I got to make sure I've got my cell phone and uh, my <laughs> travel pillow and. Uh, the yeah. charger and uh, you know I mean, it's just well, what's the Wi-Fi password? Yeah, I mean we're so comfortable that even crossing the country on a southbound train, we're expecting the Wi-Fi to be there. We're expecting well, yeah, because I need to get access to Dropbox so I can write. The you know it's such a it, yeah I mean it's just such a moment of anything is possible. Yeah, whereas but how do you write a song about? The possibilities are endless. It doesn't. It just doesn't work. Yeah, that's you know. There's, well, there's a lot no of truth to that. Um, there's no conflict. There's no story. Well, no drama. Obviously, for country music, that's impossible. Well, because there is no such thing as a happy country music song. Well, and that's one of the reasons it's it's stuck around is because they figured out whether by accident or by a by, uh, well, but it's choice. I mean, the single white still blows off the blocks every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. Or even the double wide. Yeah. Well, that's for the really rich folks. Yeah. But, you know, that's why I think that that uh, your brand of music, uh, as in you know, general you, mm-hmm. uh, becomes what it does, which is the nostalgic piece. Because I guarantee that everybody who talks about what they think rock is talks about what they were listening to when they were 16 to 22. So you're suggesting then that affluence retards musical creativity? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I think that's what we're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. I that's, think that's exactly what we're talking that's about. That's one of the paper cuts. Yeah. That's right. And honestly, it might be one of the deeper ones. That's yeah. right. Because the consumer becomes. Well, first of all, as you grow older, it's unrelatable. It, well, it's unrelatable, but as you, and because as you grow older, you know you have more responsibilities. You got a regular job. 
you, you know, you get married, you produce some kids, and one, your need for that music is lessened, mm-hmm. uh, unless you are, you know, uh, living on the, the single wide and it gets blown off the blocks, then you probably do need that. But, but for the most part, I mean, you know, your need for that is lessened, and also your desire to listen and your ability to have the time to listen to it is lessened. You don't spend as much time in your car. And, the, and those old songs, musically, they may speak to you, but there's content, not so much. Right. Well, I listen to all kinds of songs that I laugh that I listen to it because, you know, technically, they are protesting and railing against things I hold dear. <laughs> but I like the music. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it's like, I love Young Conservatives by the Kinks. Now, it's supposed to be railing against Young Conservatives, but I think it's hilarious. I love that song. And it, I, you know, it's just you know that's an important band we haven't mentioned. I don't think in the past, but they're very influential. Yes, they are guitar absolutely. rock guys. Yes. So. Uh, so yeah, save them if we ever uh, do a yeah. rock bands four yeah. or it, music four. Yeah, because I, I think we're past rock bands as a title. Yeah. Because once we've called them pretty much dead, I think we need to come up with something else for that. Yeah. But. Well, I, I think I'm gonna go home and listen to Rainbow and Ronnie James Dio and Long Live Rock. There you go, man. There you go. Long live rock and roll. But yeah, you know, that affluence thing, it's a killer. It really is. Because you don't have time for anything. You don't have... I mean, just... That's why rock is for the young or that... What we... That kind... You know, there's certain kind of music that is for the young because (laughs) one, they have the time to listen to it. And it... It speaks to them in a way that it can't speak to us. The fact that rock was a thing as rock that spoke to the young for as long as it did is a testament to what it was. And I think that's probably the best so, epithet you could have for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it is time to to chisel something onto the tombstone. I am, again, I do have a, an issue with Mr. Simmons, and I will give rock ten more years than he gave it because I, I do think the you start charting through the grunge time, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam... Foo Fighters, Nirvana is all still very valid stuff. Agreed, absolutely. And, and so I do give ten more years than he gave it, but it made it to forty, and then its heart exploded. Pretty much, pretty much so. Well, that sounds like a very good epitaph to finish this episode. Yeah, out with. yeah, I think so. I think we'll we'll round it out right there and head on into next time, uh, which is of, which is back to history. Now, this we might call this a coda of our trip through these special treaties sort of kind of related well, I thought Kellogg Grand was our last treaty. it is but next time we're going to talk about the United Nations kind of yeah, yeah kind of a tapper on international relations studies so here. yeah so it's it's, True. it's kind of a, it's kind of a coda it's kind of the intention to be the end and it's talk about and I believe Martin you called it that hive of scum and villainy yes I was going to say so is the is the United Nations the Wood or the uh, Woodrow Wilson of political organizations something we love to take out and smack oh, around yeah, every yeah, once in a while. I mean, it, it's it's the uh, it's kind of the add-on pinata to the Wilson pinata. You know, it's not the League of Nations, but it's it's the successor organization. Yeah, that we got everybody to hook into. Yes, and woe betide us all. We'll, we'll, we'll talk all about that next episode. So enjoy the heck out of it, and we'll see you then.
Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.